RadioInfluence.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to a very special Friday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with Frank. He's here with us today, and Mike, all three of us, all three of us for a jam-packed hour full of stuff. Hello, gentlemen. <laughs> hello. I, hello. How are you? <laughs> Who are you referring to as gentlemen? Well, I don't know. Frank, would you be considered a gentleman? No, me and my sore breasts over here. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear it. Uh, got It's a... Uh, Caused by gynecomastia or some kind of medication? What's going on? No, 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 no. I'm I'm deep into my into my spring summer workout routine already. So my breasts are very sore. I was running around in the studio the other day before I went to um, before I went live at seven. I had to go down to the the bathroom to relieve myself because I have two hours straight of talking. And I went to jog a light jog down to the bathroom at the end of the hall, and I realized, oh my god. My breasts are so sore. I had to actually hold my breasts as I was running so that the gravity would not uh, force me into some kind of some kind of shock from the soreness. Now, is it the entire breast or is it the nipples and the breast? No, no, no. It's the entire pectoral complex there. So imagine a 36-year-old man running down a long hallway holding his tits up. That was me the other day. Well, this is getting off to a great start. Oh, Wow. This is more that the oversharing lamp is brighter than the sun. Well, this is what we do. This is what we do, Mike. Welcome to the Dark Delight Podcast. Wow. <laughs> I didn't realize Friday was sharing day. Oh, it's always sharing day when I'm on. But hey, what what so what's going on in the world? I heard um I heard things are going badly for the world. <laughs> well, it depends on who you talk to. You know, <laughs> I want I want to outline a brief outline for today's show because it's three very heavy topics that we can hopefully meander our way through somewhat coherently. Number one is the Russia, Ukraine, ever never ending saga, um, Ukrainian bioweapons labs, Ukrainian. Uh, I'm sorry, U.N. Security Council meetings. Mike just informed us a minute ago that the uh, Russians have withdrawn from the talks between Iran and the United States. And then I would like to talk about a new uh, sort of red pill moment in vaccine injury. And I would also like to touch on Spygate. So we've got a hell of a show ahead of us. Let's see if we can corral each other and get it done. Wow. I don't want to derail that train. I'll just hang out and follow along and play dumb clips when needed. (laughs) So let's start on a lighthearted note. Frank, I've missed you. Um, Oh, well, I have. I've missed you as well. It's crazy how long a short week is. Yeah. Yeah, it does go longer. Mike and I have had a lot of fun and we've been doing, you know, a a good job, I think. But it's good to have you here. I'm sure everybody in the audience will be happy to have you here as well. Um, And I want to start with this. we, We briefly talked about this a second ago, but Mike. Can you play this? Kamala Harris went over to to uh, Poland for what we don't really know. She can't even get a coherent sentence out. Listen to what she said in response to a question. Um, there was some awkward silence. She was asked, I believe, uh, what was the question, Mike? Do you know what she was asked? I can't remember what it was. Yeah, she was asked by a reporter about the refugees. Ah, yes. If if we here in America will be taking any refugees and now uh, this morning, the mayor of Poland, uh, Warsaw, Poland, has said his city is overrun. They've taken more than a million already. And we're just three weeks into this. 
And uh, so she was asked by the mainstream media rep in the press conference, which is where you should expect to get questions and answer them. And uh, there was a very awkward silence. And then she looked at the Polish president, President Duda. It was really kind of weird uh, because there's all kinds of jokes you can make with his name. And um, after she cackled, she said this. A friend in need is a friend. (laughs) So that meant nothing. Can anyone tell me what a friend in need is a friend indeed has to do with the current situation? You know, I would love uh, what I would I would really love at this point if I were either uh, in Poland and taking in all these refugees or if I were a Ukrainian, I would love a uh, a clueless, a clueless woman that nobody likes in her own country coming to mind to to make uh, weird jokes and describe the, the, the hell that you're living through in, I, I don't know, uh, subpar ways. Like, can you imagine her showing up to a, a murder scene somewhere and the families are there grappling with the loss of life? And she goes, wow, well, this is this sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, just <laughs> I mean, that's 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 her contribution to the, to the conversation here. It's uh, I, I, I don't know why anybody let, told her to leave the country. Well, you know, uh, six months ago, she told Lester Holt she had, hadn't been to Europe, and now we've sent her three times. And I suggest we keep sending her. Anything that keeps her out of Washington is probably good. Uh, she got a nice message, uh, a lesson yesterday, as Mike Pence showed up on the border of Ukraine and Poland and showed her basically how it's done. I don't like Mike Pence either. You Ugh. don't like him? No. You don't like him? No. No, I never well, have. I think he's just um, a template of a vice president. I've met him and talked to him. He seems like a nice enough guy, but he was the number two guy. What do you do with the vice president is typically the person that goes to funerals, right? They don't have any ability to make deals. They go to funerals when world leaders die. They have the ability to uh, completely change the course of history at the Electoral College and choose not to. They also... Well, I mean... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to no. Keep go ahead when I'm done with this. They also have the ability to not have spies for a politicized FBI as their chief of staff. But hey, you know who's counting? Go ahead, Frank. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it's 100 true. And I I get. I have to imagine that the only real difference between, I mean, the the biggest difference between Mike Pence showing up for a situation like this and uh, and uh, Kamala Harris is the same difference of. I don't know. I mean, Hillary Clinton is is far more. If you sent Hillary Clinton out to Poland, as much of a harbinger of death, she is. She's polished. She knows how to handle this situation. She knows how to throw the words together to at least put on a decent act. Kamala Harris is just such an she's just such an embarrassment to herself and everybody around her. You can't. uh, you know, you, you got to send a vet out there, whether they be uh, authentic or just a viper. There's people that know how to conduct themselves in that situation and at least put a put a uh, believable act on. Are you saying that you weren't inspired when she said this? We have too much at stake. Immigrants have too much at stake. Working families have too much at stake. So we must take action. We cannot sit this out. We cannot wait. We can't. That no. was out about the southern border where she said nothing as well. She's capable of saying nothing at any time. So given the the platitudes and empty air between her ear sockets, that that is nothing compared to what's actually going on. So 
Tucker Carlson, Frank and I had talked about the Ukrainian bioweapons labs very early before Tucker Carlson decided, yes, actually, there's something here. And so Newland, Victoria Newland, we played the clip on Wednesday. She was asked about this. Marco Rubio asked her in passing. She basically admitted it. And then Marco Rubio had to come out and cover his own petard and um, and and kind of say, oh, she she answered it wrong. That wasn't really what she meant to say, but she said it. And now the Russians have called a U.N. Security Council meeting for 11 a.m. Eastern time today. We record the show at 10 and they're going to supposedly present evidence that the United States was doing bioweapons research at those laboratories in Ukraine. The whole fake news media came out and said, you know, this is all just a big lie. Um, You know, this is Russian disinformation. It started out. There are no bio bio labs in Ukraine. Then it was. Well, yeah, they're there, but they're just used for zoonotic research. And now it's they're there. We're doing research and development, but it's only to stop things from happening. So within three days, instead of the usual six months, we've jumped three tiers in the conspiracy theory kind of window to where we're on. We are now. So I'll go first to Frank. What are your thoughts about this? Uh, well, uh, think about the uh, first thing I do is think about the countless people who had their social media accounts terminated for piecing the story together in the first place. And then I ask myself again, what the hell is even the media? Because once again, all they all they do is either evade or suppress stories. And then when they come out uh, and there's no way to uh, suppress them or evade them anymore, the first thing that they did about a week ago was was saying that this biolabs theory has gripped. Guess who? QAnon people. Mm -hmm. So uh, a couple of days after that, here we are, and we get this ridiculous canned exchange between two neocon warlords, uh, Marco Rubio and Victoria Nuland, who's married to Robert Kagan, one of the PNAC boys. So hatred for the free world and violence is in her blood. And then, of course, you have um, then you have this thing that this this canned exchange. And I'm wondering myself, why would this happen? Why would this happen where uh, and she even said something as ridiculous as, oh, that's classic Russia, classic Russia for them to say one thing. But it's really what they're doing. I didn't know that that was that was like a a trademark of the Russians because it happens a hell of a lot over here as well. But um, it, it made a lot more sense as to why they had to put something definitive on the books at that moment with Marco Rubio during that Senate hearing, because less than 12 hours later, we got all of the uh, we got the Chinese state and the Russian state media and the representatives coming out about what they had found. And then, of course, all the firemen and all the firewomen came out. We had the, the State Department at 8 p.m. on uh, Wednesday evening saying definitively we are in full compliance with the Biological Weapons Convention as the blah, blah, blah. But anybody can be in full compliance when you outsource work from your home to someone else. And I mean, it's what the NIH was doing when they sent gain of function research to Wuhan. It's just like how the CIA used to be able to say that they were in full compliance with the Fourth Amendment because Five Eyes partners and big tech were spying for them. Uh, I mean, and so unfortunately, the U.S. government, as much as I don't trust the the Chicoms or and I have no real affinity for the Russians, uh, fortunately, the U.S. government is not trustworthy either. And then yesterday we had Marco Rubio and the CIA director uh, adding more layers to this uh, this this damage control job. Yeah. Wanted to make sure everyone knew that there was a difference between bio weapons facilities and just biological research. I facilities. have that. I have that clip. Do you want to hear it? Play because I got I got some thoughts on that too. 
There's a difference between a bioweapons facility and one that's doing research. A bioresearch facility is a totally different thing than a bioweapon facility because you could have samples of a deadly or, you know, serious pathogen. But that doesn't mean you could weaponize it or that you're working on weaponizing it. But people ask themselves, if there's these facilities there, and there's a lot that play here. I mean, there was a lot. We should have, and this is not a great, right, but a long time ago, this should have been acknowledged. It's ridiculous. Right there alone. Just given the last two years after COVID beginning, it is so ridiculous to hear that come out of this weird little man from Florida's mouth. That wasn't COVID was not delivered via a dirty bomb. Okay, if if some zealot wanted to attack, I always say if some zealot wanted to attack America, the easiest thing they can do is infect themselves with some contagious disease, walk across the wide open southern border, and go touch a few doorknobs at, at a San Diego Padres game, or go to a bowling alley. So the, the, the gaslighting that, oh, this was not a weapons facility, uh, obviously they were handling uh, they were handling materials that if we're just exposed to the public can destroy the world. But but they weren't they weren't being made for some kind of a nuclear warhead or uh, it, it's ridiculous. So we made a mistake in uh, they, they said that they made a mistake in denying that these completely benign labs exist all over the place. And, and that's the whole problem here. U.S. government is not trustworthy. If it were benign, why didn't they tell us? Just like they kept quiet about the whole smuggling of illegal aliens into Westchester County until they were caught. They said, oh, we we can only get them on 3 a.m. flights. So I I don't get it. It, It's not, uh, you know, why would you do this stuff? You're you're obviously not uh, trying to help Ukrainians uh, cure yeast infections. (laughs) So whatever. There's more on that. Once we get into the false flag aspect of this, because that is ridiculous. I have more thoughts on that. Well, what's your response, Frank, if you don't mind me interjecting to the the allegation, the World Health Organization, those lovely people ordered Ukraine to destroy everything in those labs. Quick, quick. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Destroy it all. Fauci's over at the shredder. While the WHO is telling Ukraine to destroy everything, all the pathogens they have in the lab. Wouldn't it be nice to know when that happened? Like, that's the one key bit of information they omitted from their little statement. The who comes out and says, we told them to get rid of it all. When? Well, no, like, Mike, you, you just brought that up. We know that it's, it's, it's almost as if they want us to believe that Russia does not have any biological research. We know that they have some of the most deadly viruses in the world, probably naturally occurring and man-made in some of those Siberian uh, facilities and things like that. The, the, The fact that, oh, we need to get this away from the Russians before they stumble upon it because we have viruses, they don't. No, there's information at these places. There's money trails. There is in there's shared. There, there is, there are, there's information about partnerships at these locations. It's not like this was the only way that Russia can get their hands on the Ebola virus. And they have their own facilities. So yeah. this is obviously about covering up relationships. It's it's all about blocking that. You're you're so right. In the 70s, before either of you were born, 60 Minutes did a story on uh bioweapons and how the US and the USSR both have uh, basically a, a, a mutually assured destruction agreement on bioweapons. And they showed us the freezer in Russia where they kept smallpox. And it was a freezer with a chain and a, a padlock. And that's it. 
and nobody was really guarding it. But we have the same thing in America. Now, go. that's that's 40 years ago when you go back to that and think of how far we've come as a as a scientific community globally to be able to adapt and use gain of function. And then go back to last summer. And I keep bringing this up. I know Tracy heard it from me on Wednesday. But Jim Jordan's hearing where he went through Fauci's email chain. And we need to know every person all over the world who was on Fauci's email chain about the gain of function research that the U.S. was funding, not just in Wuhan, but in every country on that list. And that needs to be shown because I guarantee it's going to show ties back to these labs as well. And I'm telling you, this is not a United States issue. It's a global issue. These people are maniacal, crazy lunatics who have been doing this, playing God and doing this for decades unchecked. Now, I'm curious, Mike, how this is all going to play out today in in this Security Council meeting, because I, I don't know that the U.N. is necessarily a big Russia fan or maybe they are. I don't know. And I'm wondering, like, to grant the meeting when nobody's talking to Russia and we've got German hospitals denying treatment to Russian citizens, what is going to come of this? Like, are they going to sit up there in front of the world, show all these documents, and then what? The legacy media is going to debunk it all? I, I, what is going to happen today? Nothing. Yeah, you close your eyes, you'll see exactly what the UN is capable of doing. Because the Security Council has members who can shut down anything. China and Russia are already there saying, this is what we believe, and they're not going to believe anything that comes out of our end of things. When was the last time the Security Council did anything that meant anything? anything no they they write strongly worded letters and then uh we just carry on yeah but why give a global audience to it what's the purpose well obviously there we are hastening a a divorce of a a once globalized world economy they are de-dollarizing the world at the same time, you have the IMF and most central banks around the world starting to really push the idea that digital reset currencies are, go- are going to come. I mean, remember, this is all on the same gl- great reset timeline. Everything is working to that end. And uh, and, and this, is just, um, this is just part of it. I, I don't know how far they want to go with actually trying to push a shooting war. As I've said before, it, you can only escalate a situation and rhetoric before somebody's got to get popped in the mouth. But um, well, I mean, look what I, they're doing to us right now in this country. We're yeah. casualties, literally. Not not you oh, know. Yeah. I mean, we're casualties. We're, and there was an article that came out of some random Connecticut newspaper today that was talking about how typically one percent of the population goes off to fight in a war and nobody at home really feels it too much more than an increasing debt that nobody ever really realizes is there. And except this time, every single American is paying more for every single thing they buy, including gas, four dollars and four cents in South Carolina yesterday. Okay, that's crazy. That's cheap. gas. That's cheap gas, says California and Delaware. And everybody else, because it's 432 on a national average today. How are we going to how are we go, how are they going to manage a population who is getting to the brink here? There was a poll that came out. Eighty percent of Americans are more stressed out than they've ever been before in their lives. And it's all about the same issues. Usually it's different stuff. But they came out and said, like, it's 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 the, the past two years of pandemic and now inflation and inflation 
gas prices and and food prices going up. What yeah, ha- well, Janet Yellen told us yesterday, the Treasury Secretary, to get ready for at least this year of more inflation, not just stable where we are, but through the year, you're going to see more and painful. And then you had Steve Ratner, who, if you remember, was Obama's car czar. He was the financial advisor on the auto industry who said, by the way, this ain't blamed on Putin or, um, or, or anything going on in Ukraine. This is all Biden's responsibility. His policies are causing inflation and skyrocketing gas prices. So the war may be the distraction from the policies that were leading to weaning us off of gas and oil. But uh, I, I think you can have more than one thing going on at one time. I think the problem is that we have more than one thing going on at one time. And, and you know, they're using that as a very convenient, you know, everything's a cover for everything else. But the people are sitting here looking around like, wait a second, just something doesn't just something's not right here. Just just crazy. Like I, I it bothered me to hear Tucker Carlson come out and say, I um, couldn't believe this were actually true. We thought for once that they were telling us the truth when they said that this was Russian propaganda. And I'm like, come on, dude, you didn't mean that. He couldn't have meant it like this. Everybody who doesn't agree with me is a Russian bot. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, going back to the 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 biolabs thing and where that, that's all leading to uh, when they had when Jake Sullivan was first pushed back on a couple of weeks ago about how there's a Russian false flag plot that is brewing right now. And then, of course, he was asked, can, can we see the evidence of that? And he says, what do you mean? You know, I, I just gave you the evidence and it was just pretty yes. much an internally generated memo from the Pentagon. That's that's the evidence. It's it, but but it, now it's going so hard and heavy. I had a question because they had Jen Griffin go on Hannity. She uh, she was pulled off of her her normally standing assignment throughout all of this to attack anything that Colonel Doug McGregor McGregor says. And she was assigned now to literally read a Pentagon fact sheet and put uh, push the false flag theory on to everybody again, which has been pushed out there by Jen Psaki. She went on a crazy Twitter rant about uh, false flag is coming and it's all Russia's fault. Now, I had a question I posed last night. I'd like to pose to both of you guys. Uh, The Russians have already stated their reasoning for moving into eastern Ukraine. They don't need countless innocent lives lost in a staged biological attack to give them more predicate They already gave themselves predicate. They're standing by it and they're doing what they said they're going to do. On the flip side, it's obvious that NATO and the EU and the UN are hamstrung and won't act militarily. So why would you, the Russians, stage an event that gives no one but the West predicate to go to war? Now, I'm not a Putin fanboy, but he's not a stupid man. And he's got the West in a checkmate scenario right now, which could only ever create motive for the West to try something as desperate as this. I don't know why anybody is, is, is thinking this. It's the same exact way that they blamed the DNC, quote, hack on Russia. It's the same thing. It also it makes as little sense as, uh, you know, the the, uh, the, 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 the gas attacks in, in Syria, the motivation for that. It makes very little. Actually, it makes less sense. Because Putin, it's a it's a complete lose lose for Putin 
And for this to be, once again, the, 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 the process of thinking that we have somehow stumbled upon, we've gotten inside the hearts and minds of, of the Russian intelligentsia and in the military, and this is what they have come up with. We know 100%, as Marco Rubio and Victoria Nuland said, there's no way to, there's no room for interpretation. Is it not true that 100% this will be a biological attack in the hands of the Russians? Oh, 100% it will be. It's classic Russian, Newland said. It is a lose-lose. It is the most stupid thing that anybody in Russia's situation right now could could possibly conceive of when they have a checkmate scenario in their hands. Mike? Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting to me. I'm going back a step to what you said with the checkmate scenario because the whole bioweapons lab thing, uh, I, I think it's trumped up to get media attention. But going back to what Putin's doing, he's got he's got the breadbasket that he wanted. He's got uh, Odessa and the port that he wanted. So why would he continue sweeping through? I think it's Putin saying, why not? Why not? The West has not stood up to me. The West has complained. Yeah, we lost some tanks. Uh, two days of oil sales will more than cover the tanks we lost. Yeah, we may have lost 6,000 troops and a couple generals, but I just fired the other ones who made that mistake happen. So I don't think he cares. He obviously doesn't care about human life. He is looking for capitulation. And for him to come out today and say to Lukashenko, I'm feeling positive about talks with Ukraine, is to indicate that he feels like that capitulation is in the near future. He doesn't care about the military losses if he can get Ukraine to capitulate, to guarantee they won't be into NATO, and to uh, he will apologize for the loss of life in the buildings, knowing the West will fund the rebuilding of Ukraine. He wins on every level, even though his economy is about to crater because of all the millions of jobs that are now vanquished from Russia because of all the Western companies pulling out, if they stay pulled out. So I think he's making a, a gamble on this. He's pushed his chips all in on Ukraine. And I think that's apart from the biolabs. So I have to ask a question. You say that he doesn't care about human life. If that were the case, wouldn't this have been a lot more of a bloody conflict so far? I think he was testing the waters. You know how the first couple of rounds of a fight, they, the fighters come out and they kind of throw a few jabs here and there to see what they're facing. And I think he came with what appeared to be a shock and awe sized assault with all of those vehicles and troops, et cetera. But he was just testing. That's just, my opinion. That, I don't know the guy. Well, th those, those first attacks just so happened to all be located right by those bioweapons labs. So just that's a coincidence or he was setting the propaganda up from the get. Well, what? I have a big uh, they have a look. I'm married to a soap writer, right? Before they even start a season, they write the story arcs for 16 weeks and every character knows where they're going to be at the end of the 16 weeks and they just walk it back. Kissinger said the same thing about a war uh, about eight years ago when when we had uh, Ukraine or uh, Russia invading again. He said, you know where you want to get to and then you set up the play that you're going to execute to get there. OK, fair enough. Um, we can actually. You know what we're going to do right now before we swing this into Spygate, because it, it involves the very hack we were talking about a second ago. We're going to thank our sponsor. Our sponsor today is ExpressVPN, Frank and Mike. Yeah. 
I love them. You guys have heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN to protect your online privacy, but choosing a VPN you trust is equally as important. Now, I like to do research on my sponsors, and I only recommend brands that I believe in, and I can say with full confidence, ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. Here's why. Number one, I don't have to hear my husband bitch and complain about not being able to see New York sports anymore. (laughs) Super awesome. Super awesome. It doesn't log your activity online. There are lots of cheaper free VPNs that make money by selling your data to advertisers. But ExpressVPN doesn't do this. They even developed a technology-trusted server that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data at all. Two, speed. This is another big thing. You never want to miss what's going on in the trade talks or in the, uh, the collective bargaining agreement for glitchy screens and nonsense. ExpressVPN uses Lightway, a new VPN protocol they engineered to make user speeds faster than ever. I've tried a ton of VPNs. This is absolutely true. I'm not going to name them in the past. And they can sometimes slow my connection, but ExpressVPN is always blazing fast and I never see any checkered squares on my screen. And it's not just me saying this, guys. Business Insider, The Verge, and many other tech journals say that ExpressVPN is the number one VPN in the world. So protect yourself with the VPN that I use and trust. Use our link, expressvpn.com slash dark to light today and get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash dark to light. Visit expressvpn.com slash dark to light to learn more. Do it. Do it now or else Putin's coming for you. (laughs) By the way, um, they're no longer most favored nations, too. That happened this morning. What do you mean? Um, Biden said we're now going to revoke most favored nations trading status with Russia, which I thought we would have done the minute they walked into Ukraine. But no, it took a 16 days. Digital currency is more important. Digital well, dollar. Yeah. yeah. Executive and orders they- changing, fundamentally changing the entire U.S. monetary system are much more important than dealing with an adversary who's uh, allegedly destroying a country and killing people. Do you have cash buried in the backyard in mayonnaise jars? Maybe. Okay. I, yeah, I didn't want I don't. to put you on the spot. I don't either. Cause you know, I don't like mayonnaise. Right. I like well, mayonnaise. I mean, I'm okay with mayonnaise, but I would not put the, the money in the jars. Um, everybody should have cash money on, on hand because we're going to have to start using it and assigning it our own value soon. Lots of cash, lots of paper, useless paper, hanging it around. Um, So let's move over to Spygate, the story that will never go away. Um, Interesting. Did you happen to see, um, Frank and Mike, the Margot Cleveland Federalist story that came out yesterday? No, I did not. Okay. There's another player in the Spygate saga that we have just found out is responsible for investigating the supposed hack of the DNC. Okay. This, the, the special counsel is now investigating the hack of that server. Hack, leak, whatever you want to call it. Mike, you're a more mainstream guy. Yeah, I, I think I am. And I would say that you tend to think, you know, I would say you're more like m- legacy medium minded and that, that's fair. That's okay. Yeah. If, if I told you that I was 99% certain that the Russians didn't hack and release the DNC emails. Would you say that I was a conspiracy theorist? No, I would not. What because if I, I, I'm with you on that? 
What if I told you that I think that it was a leak by a man who was shot in D.C. and I have mounds of evidence that can can lend to that conclusion? Is this man dead? He is. Did he have an association with a certain high-ranked political family in this country? He had an association with the very entity that is in question here. A very, a very. And would his name rhyme with Rince Moster? <laughs> no, it would rhyme with uh, Beth Finch. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Beth. <laughs> We're getting going. there. We're getting there. Beth. It. What rhymes with his last name? Seth. <laughs> Go ahead, finish it. Seth Rich. His name was Seth Rich. That's I know. (laughs) So the Seth Rich story has been uh, bounced around like a BB in a boxcar for years now. And it gets brought to the center stage and then it gets pushed off into the conspiracy theory zone. But so many conspiracy theories have come true just in the past six months. Uh, I'm not surprised that this theory about... Seth Rich is back, and I, I will tell you, I don't fully understand the Seth Rich story. So where are we on this? So Margot Cleveland mentioned Seth Rich nowhere, but what I have been gleefully watching, Mike, is yeah. all of these supposedly, you know, former, very well-established mainstream journalists who scoffed and laughed at us, but are smart enough to look at a body of evidence and question what they thought they knew, given they have now experienced the same censorship that they've seen lobbed on some of us go, wait a second. <laughs> I think there might be something to this. We've just found out yesterday yeah. that the department of defense tasked the same Georgia tech researcher who was embroiled in the alpha bank hoax with investigating the quote origins of the DNC hacker. She calls it a hack. The email also indicates that the special counsel's office is investigating the investigation into the DNC hack and that prosecutors harbor concerns about the DOD's decision to involve the Georgia tech researcher in its probe. So IE the department of defense started researching the DOD, the DNC hack. Now I don't recall anybody ever knowing that that happened. It was always just the FBI saying, Oh, they gave us the server. They wouldn't give us the servers. And we just let it go because they were taking care of it with CrowdStrike. Now all of a sudden we've got the DOD. And do you think the DOD is going to be more forthcoming than the FBI and the DOJ? No, DARPA, 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 DARPA was investigating the DNC hack when it happened. The whole, the whole time. Yeah. And we don't know, we don't know about it till now. Yep. And how do we find out about it now? Who spilled the beans? Well, they're (laughs) great pun, Mike. Well, I'm sorry. (laughs) Couldn't help myself. It's Friday, for God's sakes. It's so heavy. All these stories are heavy. I'm, I'm trying to add a little, you know, little, little uh, levity air the balloon. Yeah, that's fine. Georgia Tech researcher, um, his emails were released. Some of his emails where he talks about this. And so because he was tied to this Sussman Alpha Bank story, he was working with the with the uh, with the tech firm, quote, that was doing that investigation his emails made it to Margot Cleveland and she released them and the special counsel's office was questioning him about this. And he went back to his institution, which is Georgia Tech, where he's a professor and a researcher and said, listen, guys, um, this is absurd. I'm being targeted by my government. 
this is the first time I feel like the Department of Justice is overtly political and targeting me. Meanwhile, he was responsible for the tanking in, in for lack of a better word, of a United States president based on lies. Yeah. Margot Cleveland covers in the story that he even believed that the Alpha Bank story was a nothing burger, saying there is no evidence to support this narrative that you're that it just doesn't fit. And he's complaining about the Durham investigators questioning him recently, actually about a year ago about this. So we know that their claws are in this in this DNC hack story. And why this is important is because, you know, who also, quote, investigated the DNC hack story? Robert Mueller. Oh, my. And he brings Seth Rich in to the Mueller report. He brings it in. Has that has all of that been redacted? Is that in the uh, parts of the Mueller report we can't see? Oh no, that's available for anyone to read. He he spends so, he spends a good, I would say, fifteen to twenty paragraphs, if not more, at least five or six pages, debunking the wild conspiracy theory that Seth Rich took data from the DNC. See, all at once. You get all this stuff all at once, and it's just a whack-a-mole. And I think this is this is just a game plan from here on in. It's just flood and dump and uh, and split your split your enemies in so many different ways they can't formulate a, a cohesive action plan to bring justice to all these people who have been <laughs> screwing us for so long. It's like everyone's saved it now. In another development, and Mike, maybe one episode where Frank can't be with us, I will do a breakdown of the Seth Rich evidence versus non-evidence for you. Might be helpful all, for everyone, all right. you know? It, I'm sure it would be, but um, if he's poking around the Seth Rich theories, Durham, um, does that mean he's got more than what he's told us? or oh, absolutely. He, He's running out the clock. There's no way he could be investigating the hack of the DNC server and not be looking at the Seth Rich story. There's no way. Well, I know a judge threw out the Clinton's attempts to squash all of the latest Durham findings yesterday. The, yeah, I was going to say that next. Yes, the Sussman, the Sussman judge, who was a colleague of his, by the way has said, I'm not going to quash any of this stuff. It's all going to stay because I he basically cited the Streisand effect without citing the Streisand effect and said, if I if I strike this stuff, it's going to make it look worse. It'll bring more attention to it. So I'm not going to do that. But he absconded the attorney, um, the attorney from the special counsel for bringing it up. And I said at the time, I thought it was genius because, you know, the Mueller special counsel politicized the hell out of the entire thing. And the Durham attorney actually brought in as as kind of like a bolster for their decision to include some of this information, the case of Roger Stone and what the Mueller special counsel did to Roger Stone, politicizing his case because they fought against it then that Stone attorneys fought against what the, the what the Mueller special counsel was doing and the special and the judge allowed it. So they used the precedent set by the Mueller special counsel to further politicize the or I don't even argue they're politicizing it, but they used their weapon against them, basically. And it was genius. And Cash Patel thought so also. So there's that. We, we could we could stop that topic now. That, that's enough of that topic. How about how about it? All right. Sure. Well, You're we good. can work back to it. I'm sure there are more more uh, shoes to drop. Oh, yes. And you know what? What did you think, Frank, when Cash said that he's pretty certain that this Durham investigation is going to bear some serious heavy fruit? Did you agree with him? What did you think? I- 
I don't know what I agree with. I, I, whenever somebody, somebody who I guess has reason to be confident about that stuff or more reason to be confident about that stuff than I do says something like that. I, I, I always keep my fingers crossed and I'm always hoping for the best. Uh, I guess, I guess if it is true, then it's the old, uh, start with the small fish and trade up for the bigger ones, kind of a strategy thing that we always hear about because you, you have to imagine it's going somewhere in that direction, but how long is that going to take? And, uh, how, how, how many people are going to be netted? I, I'll always root it on. I'll always root it on, but uh, I'm not going to put any of my life savings on it. Well, it's, it's in, it's in, we know it's not in mayonnaise jars in the yard. So you know. I know, I know. Mike, not doing that. Mike, we had Cash Patel on the show just the week before you, uh, you joined us and he basically, I said the FBI, they're covering up for the FBI again. And I cited my reasons why. And he said right now in public. Yeah. But he was very, very confident that big fish were going to go. Oh, and Cash should know. I ran into him at CPAC briefly and he was like the, the, the new hot girl at the dance. Everybody yep. was talking on his sleeve and um, maybe he'll give us updates regularly because if he knows if there are big fish who are about to be netted, I would like to know. I just like to see one big fish. We've had what two small fish reeled in. That's three, it. Three, three small okay. fish. Yeah, and he's and he's kind of. Well, I wouldn't argue that Sussman is a small fish. I think he's he's a lot bigger, and I think he's tied directly to Mark Elias. And so, you know, I'm waiting for him. We talked about how Mark left Perkins Coy and started his own little gig, and I was like, they booted him faster than they could. They could they could blink. They kicked that guy out. He was a liability at that point. Absolutely. So to, yep. You know. Agreed. Okay. I'm going to move on to the third topic I wanted to. We're doing well, guys. We're doing well, well, we are, for the audience listening, Frank and I were admonished before the show <laughs> to not derail Tracy from her <laughs> list of topics because. Yes. We have smooth. Yeah. We could take this way off into the abyss. It's, it's Friday and we, we can all look to the stupid to default, but go ahead. I just want to get through this last one and then we'll talk about all kinds of other stuff. So don't worry. It's not that long. Frank, do you know who Dr. Dr. John Campbell is? Uh, This is the guy with the British accent. Yes. Uh, That's all I know about him. Could you be less specific? Yes. (laughs) That's that guy with the British accent. (laughs) I've been seeing all his, his uh, videos have been crossing my, I've been crossing uh, paths with his videos for uh, a few days now in earnest. A lot of people are sending me his videos and, and I've only been able to see a, a little bit of it, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to getting a, a, a bigger breakdown of what he's discovered. So I've been watching Dr. John Campbell for quite some time because he, he has covered the COVID kind of crisis very fairly, although he leans ob- – he's a doctor. He leans towards the side of the establishment line, right? And he has – he was – anti, not anti, but he was very neutral on ivermectin. He wouldn't really give it the credence, but he had great information and he amassed a very, very, very large following because he was one of the only people presenting data in a very unbiased way so that people could consume it. So like I caught on to some of his biases, but the general public writ large was getting better information from Dr. John Campbell than really anywhere else. You couldn't get somebody who leaned to the left to listen to a McCullough or any of those guys because they had been primarily, you know, tarred and feathered. So Dr. Campbell came in and he was this very middle of the road, forward facing straight line guy. 
And he amassed 2.7, I believe, million followers on YouTube who allowed him to continue to presenting to present information until and he's still there. But he started really getting into the data behind ivermectin and its effectiveness. And once he started showing everybody in his audience, the 2.7 million people that were watching every day, that ivermectin actually has some benefit using just the data, they started to gently tar and feather Dr. John Campbell. Well, he would always say to go out and get get vaccinated. It was something that he basically said, everybody go out and get vaccinated. Vaccines can prevent you from severe illness and death. Yeah, granted, the efficacy of them isn't what they thought, but they're still in the data showing beneficial for severe illness and death. And of course, underneath the comment section, there was all the anti-mRNA shot people saying, God, open up your eyes for goodness sakes, please, please, please. And everybody admonishing those people as crazy conspiracy theorists. Until yesterday, when... I say we have now crossed the Rubicon in truth surrounding the shot. He came out and did a video and he said, analyzing the, uh, the Pfizer, the Pfizer documents. So the FOIA that we had, we had attorney Aaron Siri on the show, um, Mike, about this case. Um, Mm -hmm. He filed on behalf of a very long list of, of medical professionals to, Receive the safety data that the FDA used to grant authorization to the Pfizer vaccine. And they started releasing that information probably back in late October, early November. And John, Dr. Campbell, got around to looking at this data and did a video, which I sent to you this morning, that's titled The Pfizer Documents. And in it, at around 22 minutes, which I'm going to go to right now, he says the following. Hold on on interventions that I have carried out and well here he's talking here he's talking about how he feels like now he's done something against the Hippocratic Oath because he has encouraged and given these vaccines trusting the official story and he feels like he could have harmed people so let's just listen to a little bit of this to consider that that uh, perhaps accelerated someone's death now I was probably doing that for the the, the absolutely right reasons I would hope um, and there are there are times where it's acceptable so sometimes we give uh, terminal patients analgesia um, painkillers knowing that that may well accelerate their death and, and that that can be acceptable for, for quality of life um, but to actually do something that does harm to people that are otherwise healthy you could argue it is a fundamental breach of the uh, Hippocrates idea that f- f- first do no harm. Uh, it, it appears it appears we've, we've done some harm. Um, as far as we know, all of our current regulatory bodies are still saying the risk-benefit analysis is favourable. But in terms of Omicron, we could argue about the past, we could argue about Delta, but in terms of Omicron, the risk-benefit analysis has changed, and let, let's hope that starts feeding through into into into, into policies. And I think, I think maybe the other thing that this has done is it's just destroyed, in my view, it's just destroyed trust in, in authority. You know, so you'll get senior people saying this is safe and effective, and it turns out to be... It turns out that their understanding of the word safe and my understanding of the word safe are really quite different. So are we going to trust these people in future? It's a completely separate matter, probably waffling on a bit now, but the, 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 the reason that most governments didn't believe that the Russians were going to invade Ukraine 
was not because there was poor intelligence there. It was it was because Colin Powell and his mates had, had said Saddam Hussein and Tony Blair and all these other people at the time said uh, Saddam Hussein could be raining weapons of mass destruction down on us in 45 minutes due to um, fraudulent intelligence. So, so the trust had been lost. The trust had been lost uh, as, as a pretext, as I see it, as a pretext for the for the uh, the Iraq invasion, and and, um, and now. But when there was genuine intelligence, people didn't believe it. So is the situation analogous here? You know, is there going to be something coming along in future where we really, really, really need to trust our healthcare leaders? And as a result of this, maybe some of us won't. So He's deeply troubled. Well, yeah, a year ago he put out a video yeah. saying that he endorsed the vaccination. Yeah. And the problem with that is that a year ago the information was available that they were not safe and effective. Um, and that's that's what some of us have been screaming about. And, and you know, look, this document he references in his video and he does a very good breakdown of it is not in the most recent kind of tranche of 10,000 pages that were released March 1. It's in the November release before Omicron hit and in the ending kind of waning of Delta. And I, I can't even argue the risk benefit analysis was pro shot back in during Delta or even Alpha, for goodness sakes. Um, but the fact that he is saying this now, and he's one of those people that probably you you really couldn't convince very easily. He was very pro-shot. It means a lot. It, it really does. I think, you know, this is another thing we're seeing all over the world now as like, you know, you're, you're seeing airlines letting people come back to work who didn't get it and you know, the, the cases are ongoing in the U.S. military with the U.S. military and Navy SEAL v. Biden, which is an ongoing case. And it's troubling because mm -hmm. these people need injured people who are it's not everybody that's been injured, but injured people who are being cast aside need support and help medically to fix this. And it went. Well, yeah, go ahead. No, no, they need support and help and and, and justice. I, as I said last night when I was talking with Rob about what we're seeing with all of this just switch, the switching off of everything. Just like in the middle of when we were three months into COVID, everybody, of course, was we were locked down. Then, then everybody was given permission to go outside and, and, uh, and, and be part of fake civil rights movements. And, and now here we have, we have uh, you know, Ukraine Floyd that has popped up. And now there, it, under, this, under this, uh, this cacophony of craziness, all over the place. COVID is just being switched off. Yep. I mean, I, I know that the, the airlines, they, they just extended the mask mandate for airlines for another month. That That is just to make it seem like there is a responsible weaning off going on. They, they know that there's, this is completely ridiculous and they know it's been over for a very long time here. But, um, but I, they cannot be allowed to pull the old uh, uh, Indiana Jones where he goes and he takes the bag of sand and he tries to replace it with the idol and then outruns the boulder. They need to be hit with the boulder. These were crimes against humanity. A lot of people like this doctor, they were they were uh, being responsible and skeptical and then supportive and whatever. And maybe they really did mean well and realize they made a mistake. But that is not the case for most people who were driving this bullshit, especially at places like the CDC where we hear Rochelle Walensky got all of her clinical data about the efficacy of the shot from a CNN broadcast. Mm. You saw that? No, I didn't see that. I oh, my it. God. Yeah. 
The, oh my that God! Yeah, me though, because these people are media creatures. They 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 bow to the media. They will look at Fauci. If you stood between Fauci and a television camera, you were likely to be run over until about a month ago when he disappeared. He vaporized. That should have been the first indication that COVID was gone when Fauci stopped the media ass assessment or the uh, media assault. And I want to take exception to what the doctor said uh, about then this video is out there. The Pfizer documents on YouTube. He said that we should have lost faith in the institutions of news and medicine during and after the uh, Colin Powell presentation. I want to take you back to the um, cancer causing cancer causing injection that was foisted upon the American people during the polio vaccine release. Mm -hmm. The first one caused polio. Uh, the first polio vaccine caused cancer yep. in a huge number of people. There's a book out there called Dr. Mary's Monkey by the late Edward Haslam. And it will scare the crap out of you because not only did we have a vaccine that was causing cancer when it was meant to stop uh, the, uh, the horrible scourge of polio, but then when we found that out, we weaponized it and tried to kill Castro with it. That's crazy. It, I never heard that before. The, and guess who was on the research team Fauci. trying to weaponize it? No. Uh, a, a little guy who might have been involved with the assassination of JFK. Who? Lee Harvey Oswald. No way. Yes. This book will, will keep you up at night. But, you know, so we've had enough hints over decades about how our institutions need to be monitored more closely. And we, we are at fault for not standing up and going, hey, why? Why are you doing this? And it is our job. And I, I salute this guy for coming back a year later and saying he feels bad about it. It's something you won't hear from Fauci or Walensky or any of them. And Pfizer and all the companies were given complete immunity, were they not? They can't well, be well, yes and no. So there's a couple different arguments surrounding that. If there was any fraud involved here at all by Pfizer, and I think that at the end of the day, probably a year or two from now, there's going to be somebody that needs to take accountability for this, i.e. the insurance companies are paying through the wazoo, the excess mortality, the life insurance companies, all of it, all of this huge kind of blowback that came from the injury and death from this actual shot. If there was any fraud, that liability protection is gone, Mike. Well, who proves fraud? I mean, Somebody who doesn't want to be on the hook for the medical bills of millions of Americans. And so you're saying we're going to offload this from the government to the insurance companies who will then be bankrupted because the numbers are going to be unbelievable. I think uh, I'm predicting. I I think that the insurance companies are going to offload it to Pfizer. I think you're going to see the insurance industry in this company, in this country, go hard after the pharmaceutical companies because somebody has to pay the piper. You know what this means? In the middle of the day, when you turn on the TV, now we're going to be inundated with, did you get the Pfizer vaccine? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have call J. Chiever Loophole, the legal eagle. You're owed a, a cash settlement. Which like is mesothelioma. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that's where this is headed, unfortunately. It is. Yeah. It's very it's very it's very sad. And you know, I want my I want my platforms back. I want apologies. 
I want apologies from these idiots. And, you know, the, before we quickly move on, I know, Frank, you're, you're, you might have to hop off because we're after 11. Um, but I just want to say the reason why people are still pounding this into the pavement and still don't want to see what's in front of their eyes, unlike John Campbell, Dr. Campbell, is guilt, in my opinion. Frank and I have had discussions about this at length. They're so guilty, they pushed this on their relatives, their children themselves. They, they, they sacrificed family relationships. They ostracized people. They kicked them aside and tossed them away, right? And they did that on uh, because they trusted the government, saying these were safe and effective. And now they know that they were some part of that. Rather than take that guilt and internalize it and apologize and atone for it and figure out how to get through it, they're tripling down. Because they can't admit that what they've done is so horrible. Yeah. They, yeah. Well, history was always going to remember them uh, for exactly what they are one way or another. And um, and this is just very, very human, human stuff here. People just avoiding, avoiding accountability as much as they can. But it's not going to be, I always say in, in this life or the next, we're, we're going to get some justice. I, I just hope it was both. Yeah. I would love to have both. Frank, you need to ask Mike a question about something. About what? About something we talked about before the show started. I have to. Come on. Some, I have to Remember. ask him a question. Think about your shoes. <laughs> I have. What do we? What do we? The shoes. The shoes. Frank. What am, I'm not wearing shoes right now. Cobbler. The cobbler, Mike. Oh, oh, oh. What about Definitely. a cobbler? Yeah, it's something about a cobbler. Do you have a local cobbler in your town? Uh, ye, well, as of. 2019, I know I did. Yeah. And uh, Ms. Beans, do you? Um, I'm unaware of any cobblers. I'm, I'm sorry, but I can swing a cat and hit a cobbler who's at the Amish market around the corner. And I'm not advocating cat swinging, but that's just to tell you how reasonably close they are. When I lived on 54th and 2nd Avenue in Midtown Manhattan, there was a cobbler across the street, a guy who had set up on a ground floor of a Manhattan street and had enough business resoling shoes. Well, yesterday, Eleanor Beardsley, who is a blue check mark on the Twitter, she works for NPR. She has a job in Paris, France, where she reports on life in Paris. And she's probably highly paid by us, the taxpayers. Ugh. And she, I know, the National Panhandler Radio, as my friend Chris Plant calls them. Uh, so she posts Four pictures of a guy in Paris storefront. This is why he's gone. Oh, Frank's what? gone. No, you were gone. You said this is why. And then we lost you. No, I'm here. He, he said this is why I love Paris. Oh, I didn't hear the yeah. I love Paris part. This so, is, okay. She says this is why I love Paris. There are still cobblers. When I told the cobbler there weren't any such things in America oh. anymore. He was stunned. So this woman who's being paid by us, the taxpayers, to be a journalist and reflect life in Paris is spreading fake news. And uh, the, the gold in this, if you are on the Twitter, you have to read the responses to Ellen Beardsley from the people who are like, um, you know, there are cobblers everywhere, lady. Do they still use wait, wait, the wait, word What's cobbler? your name? Ellen, Ellen Beardsley? Eleanor Beardsley. Eleanor. Yeah, Eleanor Beardsley. And she finally wrote after getting a whole bunch of a whole bunch of negative comments. Well, I'm hearing from a lot of you that we still have plenty of cobblers. And I'm <laughs> glad to hear it. But 
the the replies are just fantastic because people are calling this dolt out. And for the fact that she is so clueless that she and I wrote back and I said, listen, hey, we all make mistakes, but you're a journalist. Why don't you do a little research and Google cog- cobblers in America? I have not used the word cobbler since I read a bedtime story to my my children back in 62. But the, re- the responses are epic, just epic from the people. I stand I- totally corrected. Looking forward to getting my shoes fixed in the U.S., as all great cobblers that are clearly everywhere. Uh, but you know, wait, wait, wait. So, so is is she just a correspondent for uh, for NPR and is an American, or they hired a Parisian to talk no, about Paris? She's an American who now lives in Paris, getting paid by NPR as right. an NPR correspondent, and chose to tell Paris that there are no cobblers in America. But right. thank God she saw this quaint. Next, she's going to show us someone who makes a baguette and tell us we don't have such things in America. My God, to, to, to just just imagine to send an American over to Paris to col- cover their culture and to be so obviously disconnected from your own. It's uh, <laughs> that's that's the media for you, especially government funded media. Yeah, we're paying taxpayer funded. We're media. paying for this this absolute dolt to be living in Paris, which frankly I wouldn't mind spending a year in Paris on the government dime via NPR and walking around and giving my opinions on France. Like what's the old line? Why are the streets in Paris lined with trees? It was so the Nazis (laughs) could march in the shade. Uh, This, this one, this one's crazy. And then we'll, we'll call it for today. Great show, by the way, guys. Oh no. I just told my suburban Los Angeles cobbler, one of many in this zip code, that Paris no longer has cobblers. He was also stunned. I dread the day when I tell the taco truck owner next to our office park how they no longer have such things in Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) I just love this. These are the kinds of things that make me hopeful when the people respond and call. And she replied to me directly because she saw I had a blue check mark and realized she was in deep water here. Yeah, you're one of those blue checkmark snobs. I, yeah. got, I got it when I worked at the Blaze, and I thought when I was thrown out of the Blaze, I would lose my checkmark. But apparently Twitter doesn't care. Once you got it, it's like a tattoo. You really can't get rid of it. You guys have been wow. listening to a three-person show today on the Dark to Light podcast with, I'm introducing you both, Frank and Mike. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. Until Monday. Later. I am not suicidal. I just want that to be out there. I'm not (laughs) suicidal. This is a Rock Stops here with Rock Riley Quick Fix on Radio Influence. All right, back from Indianapolis, back from the NFL Combine. What an experience. What an experience being in downtown Indy. Let me get to my guest, and then I'll tell you some of the behind-the-scenes stories. And I also got a one that's going to blow your mind, especially if you live in Florida or you have lived in Florida. But let me welcome in my guest. He really has made it to the top. I'm talking about Chris Sims, the former NFL quarterback, the University of Texas Longhorns, the New Jersey native, the son of Phil Sims. This is mostly on life after football, although I had to ask him, about that day at Raymond James Stadium when he was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback and 
oh my God, his, he got hit. It was his spleen. There was internal bleeding and he almost didn't make it. And I had to ask about that. Still like the, you know, you have those like probably four or five days in your life, right? Where you think about like, man, that changed my life forever. It, it can almost get me emotional. Sorry. <laughs> um, I mean, I was the, they came into the room and told my wife to say bye to me because they weren't sure. Right. They weren't sure. It was 50, 50. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I'm proud of it to a degree. Uh, of course, I wish it didn't happen, right? Um, but, you know, maybe, I, you know, sometimes I, I'm a self-evaluator. I look at it too and go, man, there was things in my life at that time that I wasn't living the right way either. And maybe that was karma kind of saying, hey, you better slow your freaking roll down here a little bit. Uh, so maybe I deserved it. I get that. We all get challenges in life, right? You got to take them as they come and, and fight through it. And, you know, at the end of the day, I have way too many things to be happy that I've been blessed with. I mean, I, come on. I grew up being the son of Phil Sims and all that. So I'm very grateful for it. It, it hurts me as I get emotional here again. It's just that I love Tampa. I love plant form. So that hurt. The Rock stops here with longtime radio and TV personality. Rock Riley is found anywhere you find podcasts and radioinfluence.com.